Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. The reason we still do that, you say, Pastor, why do we still actually have printed bound Bibles? Because um, I'm a dinosaur, that's why. And uh, I like them. I like printed bound stuff. Um, I realize that technology is very helpful and very handy, and I do use it in my own study and preparation, but I still like, I, I still like a, a real, something I can hold in my hand. So if you left yours at home or in the car, then um, just wave. There are also studies out there that are totally off the subject, but while they're passing out Bibles, um, totally off the subject, but there are studies that seem to indicate that you retain more when you read something that's on a printed page as opposed to something that's on an electronic device. Now, we'll know in a few years whether that's true or not, but, um, but it, there seem to be some initial studies that say that. Those of us who want it to be true say it's true. Those who don't want it to be true say it's not true, but, but it's true. <laughs> All right. All right. That, so that in the parking lot after church. Okay. Uh, so... All right, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, custom-made calling as we continue in this today, we're back in verse 11, we'll be in 11 for a few weeks here, because we're breaking it apart, going through each, looking at each part of it, Jesus gave gifts, as he's ascending back, he gives gifts to the church, his desire is that the church would look like he looked when he was here on this earth, he operated in these five-fold giftings, you see all five of them in his life. What do they look like in our lives? And though we don't typically have all of them, I will say this, we should be growing in all of them, okay? If Jesus had them all and we're growing to be more like him, then we should be growing in these areas as well. But we don't have them, I don't have them, you typically don't have them all at the same level. We don't, we're, we're wired more because of the way he made us and the way he gifts us we different ones have different strengths and some things are stronger some things are not quite as strong in our life but we're growing in all of them and not despising any of them we want to recognize the value of each one of these now last week we talked about the apostle or or that which is apostolic literally meaning that which is new uh, they, they have this desire to create something new, to start something new, to be engaged, going out. They're the entrepreneur. They're the ones who go out where nothing is, and they get motivated by where there is nothing and realizing there's need here, there's an opportunity here, and it stirs something within them. Often we see them in the church as church planters, as missionaries, as those who start different kinds of ministries or organizations. Um, they're very concerned about structure. They see structure and understand it. It doesn't mean they don't care about people. They do care about people, but they are structurally oriented. And so it just, and they tend to leave behind structures and organizations, communities, if you will. Now, these are the apostles we talked about. And by the way, after the service today, um, I go out and normally I'm there just to the, as you go out the doors, just to the left and in the room that we've never named. Um, it's, it's, I call it the hole in the wall room because there's a hole in the wall and you go in there. Uh, but, um, you know, where there's coffee and tables and sitting area and all that kind of thing. And, and so you can call it whatever you like, but it's that room over there. And um, I'm going to have two sheets in there today. My friend, I'll do this each week as we're going through this. If you feel like, if, if it resonates with you, the, the apostolic calling it the apostle if that seems to resonate with you say that sounds a little bit like me or maybe a lot like me i'd love if you're willing to stop by tell me that jot your name on i'll have a little sheet there that says apostle again you're not signing up for anything there's nothing on the back of it that you're signing up for okay but it helps me get an idea of how god is how he's strengthening how he's stirring the body ways that we should be utilizing maybe ways we're underutilizing the giftings that we have here and so if you're willing to do that, both for the apostle and the prophet today, um, then you could just stop by and try. And some of you, I know you're waiting. Uh, some of you are told, I'm waiting until you get through all of them before I decide. Okay, that's fine too. You can do that. Um, but um, if you're willing or you think, I, I, I already kind of identify a whole lot with this one, um, then you can stop by afterward and just sign that. 
uh, just put your name down so I can be praying through and looking at it. It just helps me, helps us as, as leadership um, know what God's doing here in our midst. Now, the prophet. This one, well, the, both of these first two can get a lot of bad press, especially in the, the American church. Sometimes there's misunderstanding and confusion around them, but I think especially with this one, the prophet. Because we immediately, we hear prophet, we think Old Testament, we see one of these prophets coming and basically saying, you're, you're sinning, you're, you're violating God's law, you're going the wrong way, you're doing the wrong thing, you need to repent, you won't repent, it's not going to rain, all right? Or you're not going to have anything to eat, or an army's going to come destroy you. And, and so much of our picture of prophecy is that Old Testament kind of prophet. Now, here's, here's something that we need to understand because there is a certain characteristic, I believe, of that Old Testament prophet that does translate into the New, but usually not the way we think. You have in the Old Testament, a prophet was one who was an ambassador for God who spoke his words to the people. That's what a prophet was, an ambassador of God who spoke his words to the people. Now, this was very, very important in the Old Covenant because most of God's words were not recorded. They were verbal there was not, we, did, we don't have, they did not have all the written text that we have today. So it was very important. God would send these men, these women, and they were both, by the way, in the Old Testament, men and women, New Testament as well, of prophets who would come and they would be ambassadors for God to speak his word to the people. When they came, they would generally say, thus says the Lord. This is what God is saying to you because he literally had communicated it to them and they were communicating it to the people. That's the Old Testament prophet. Now, there is an aspect of that that is still true today in the sense that you are, if you have this tendency, this leaning, this gifting, you are an ambassador who speaks the word that God is stirring within you to people primarily to people who already know him. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the primary purpose of prophecy under the new covenant is to strengthen those who already know the Lord. So there is a portion of what we see in the Old Testament that is still there, but it has changed, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more as we go along. So you have this, and by the way, in case you're wondering if I'm just making all this up, you won't have time to turn there, but if you take notes, here's some passages you can look at and see where over and over again in the Old Testament, Prophets were mentioned as ones who were speaking for God. Exodus 4.12, God says this to Moses. And Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, Jeremiah 1.9, Ezekiel 2.7. These are all places, I'm probably going fast, aren't I? Exodus 4.12, Exodus 4, Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, Jeremiah. By the way, you can abbreviate these names. You know, you don't have to, Deuteronomy, you know, just D-E-U or something. I mean, you'll remember. All right, Jeremiah 1.9, Ezekiel 2.7. These are places where you'll see that. You see where they literally said, this is the word that the Lord said, like in Hosea 1-2, in Joel 1-1, in Micah 1-1. Matter of fact, basically all the beginning of all the minor prophets. Um, Zephaniah 1-1, Jonah 1-1. Amos claimed that this is what the Lord says in Amos 1-3. So you see this over and over and over again in the Old Testament, where God is speaking through a human being, saying, this is my word, and I'm declaring it to you, literally, thus saith the Lord. Okay, that's the Old Testament prophet. Now, we progress along through the Old Testament, and this really begins to amp up after David, after Solomon. You had it before, but you really begin to see it after David, after Solomon, after the kingdom of Israel is divided, and it becomes two kingdoms. You have the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes, Israel and Judah. And so you see more, much of what we consider, most, much of our prophetic writings in the Old Testament happened during this time period, basically from the 8th century B.C. on. And so as you look at that, there were a number of different things that were happening during that time. They were making known the holiness of God and calling the people back to their covenant obligations. That's part of what the prophet was doing. They were talking about, this is who God is. He's different than everybody around you and all the gods around you and the ways of this world. He's different. And so they were reminding the people of the holiness of God and calling them back to covenant. They were denouncing injustice and idolatry and empty ritualism because sometimes we do that. We get busy just doing our thing and calling it church, calling it religion, calling it godly, but it's often empty. 
And so the prophets, they were a voice that would come and say, hey, what you're doing, it's, matter of fact, we see that very famous passage of scripture in the Old Testament where he said, you, you, you speak after me, you say all these things with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. So often prophets would come and communicate that message, call them back. They denounced later on when we get uh, to the post-exilic time, and you know, when we get after the exile, they're denouncing social injustice and oppression of the poor. Let me say this too, while I'm there. One of the things, if you have a prophetic leaning that you might see happening in your life just even outside of the church, is a real passion and desire for social justice and social causes. Because you're looking at something and something is being stirred within you that says this is unholy. This isn't just wrong. This isn't just bad. This doesn't line up with who God is and who he has revealed himself to be. He's not unkind. He's not unjust. He's not these things. Now, again, sometimes we have a hard time defining that because we have our own definition of kindness and justice, but God definitely is kind and he is just. And there are things that the scripture speaks to us. So you may find yourself, if you have this prophetic tendency, that you are very much stirred by social justice. And that's okay. You might recognize that. that this may be an indicator for you that this is something, a way that God has made you. All right? Now, let's go on. We had these, this intertestinal period. Do you know what I mean by that? There's after the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and before the book of Matthew is a span of about 400 years. They call this the intertestinal period. During that time, there was little or no prophetic voice. As a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons that John the Baptist stands out so much when we get into the Gospels, because for about 400 years, there had been little communication of God through prophets, the way they had experienced throughout their national life in Israel. And so during that 400-year period, it's pretty quiet. And then you begin to see those like John the Baptist. Matter of fact, he's probably the most well-known prophet of the New Testament as he's declaring the way of the Lord. He's reminding the people. He's calling them back to holiness. He's, calling, he's reminding them of covenants that God has made with them. He's preparing the way for Jesus Christ, who is the mediator of the new covenant. He's doing all of this, and so he's, he's proclaiming this. You will see others who will rise up, but as the church develops and, and more of it is being written, more of the scripture is being written, more of it's being communicated, you see this role of the prophet changing from what it was because in the Old Testament it was very necessary because very little was written. And so it was necessary to have someone who would communicate and say, thus says the Lord. As we move into the New Testament, you see it changing and, and looking different, differently in, in the New Testament. You have this prophetic gift being used in the, in the churches. By the way, it is used in all kinds of ways, a variety of ways in the New Testament church. Uh, and again, you can look these up later. Acts chapter 11, you have Agabus who prophesied that a famine was coming there in the early church. You have there in Antioch, you see prophecy being used in Acts 13. You see it in Tyre in Acts 21. In Caesarea, the four daughters of Philip prophesied in Acts 21, 8 and 9. So you see this happening in multiple ways. You see it happening in different churches. You see it in the Church of Rome in Romans chapter 12. You see it in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. You see it in Ephesus where we're talking about here right now in Ephesians 4. And then also in Acts 19 and other places. You see Ephesus. You see this prophecy taking place. You see it in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. And so you see this gift of prophecy being used in the New Testament, but what does it look like? Is it someone standing up and saying, thus says the Lord, you know, you've, you've gone away, you've forgotten, you've moved away, you, you've forgotten your covenant, you've forgotten who God is, you're doing things. You don't see that as much in the New Testament. What do you see happening in the New Testament? Sometimes you see that, but most of what you see happening in the New Testament is an exhorting, a strengthening, an encouraging, a comfort that is given. As a matter of fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's a very important verse when we talk about prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. There's a whole list. We've been talking in chapter 12, talks about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 talks about love. Chapter 14 talks about how are these gifts being used in the church? What do they look like as we use them? And in verse 1 of chapter 14, the Apostle Paul's writing and he says, if you're going to desire any gift 
of all the gifts that we have in the list there in chapter 12 and over in Romans 12 and other places in the scripture, if you're going to, if you're going to desire any gift, which gift should you desire? Which one should you really be, I mean, something stirring in that you really want? He says the gift of prophecy. He said desire. That doesn't mean the others are insignificant, but it just simply says this gift has a special place and a special purpose in the church. And we should desire, as a matter of fact, I will tell you from my own personal experience, as I have grown in my understanding of prophecy, I have prayed more for this gift than anything else in my life. I want God to use me this way in prophesying. You say, well, don't you do that every week when you stand up here? Do not confuse preaching with prophesying. They're not the same thing. The New Testament makes it clear. Two different words. Revelation is a different word than prophecy. And so preaching is a different word. It's, it's not the same. And so don't confuse. There may be a certain level of prophecy that comes forth in preaching, but they are not the same thing when he's talking about the early church. Prophesying is the ability to hear God speak into a moment something that will strengthen, encourage, and comfort. That is prophecy. It's God giving the ability. He stirs something to speak into a moment in a specific way, something that will strengthen, encourage, and comfort. This is what we see in 1 Corinthians 14. So this is what it does. There are all kinds of ways that the Lord will do this. And by the way, he wants to do it through just regular old folks. Just regular people. Not those who've been to seminary. I mean, he can use people who've gone to seminary. But he's not necessarily impressed with it. Okay? He's not looking at, okay, now you're ready, I can, let you, I can use you this way. As a matter of fact, the evidence of the New Testament is ex the exact opposite. He's used normal people, everyday folks, everyday believers, followers of Jesus, who wanted to be able to be used of God to speak into a moment, into a situation, to bring encouragement, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Now, how does he do that? What does that look like? It takes different forms. We've experienced it in a corporate level at times when rich, when the Lord will stir something in him and he will speak it vocally, out loud. Just this prompting from the Lord of a message, if you will. It is not, thus says the Lord, it's not, it's not scripture, although a lot of it is scripture being quoted, but it is consistent with scripture. It is the heart of God being communicated in a moment, in a specific situation. And many times you may be sitting here and thinking, that's the word I needed to hear. The Lord knew that. He knew I needed that word. So it can happen in a public way that, in that way. My experience is most of the time it happens in a non-public way. Most of the time it happens one-on-one. -on -one. This morning in prayer, Dan was mentioning just how encouraged he's been in recent weeks of just out of nowhere a text or an email or a message will come with someone with just a word at the right moment. Just a word of encouragement. Just something that God is stirring in another person and they speak it to him. I believe that falls under this category. It can fall under this category of prophecy. It's just a word spoken in a moment that brings encouragement, that lifts up. It's consistent with a written word, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the written word, although it can be. This past week, the elders were praying with a family. And as we were praying, just needs in that family, as we're praying, we're all around and we're listening and we're praying as the Holy Spirit leads. And we're just kind of listening to what the Lord is saying. And then one of the elders um, had a passage of Scripture. And so he took that passage of Scripture and said, this is just a strong prompting for me. And I don't know why exactly, but this passage. So I took that passage of Scripture, read that passage. We kind of, you know, kind of shared that, prayed over a little bit. A little while later, as we're praying, one of the members of the family thanked both that elder and the Lord mostly because that was the word, the exact word that was needed for them in that moment. Now, can I tell you, I was listening thinking that's a good passage, but I don't get it, all right? <laughs> that's what I thought. It's a good passage, but yeah, you know, there are a lot of good passages in here. And I'm thinking in my humanness, there's probably some better ones in there than that one. But that one was the one that God gave in the moment for that situation for that individual. That's prophecy, Okay? There's nothing spooky or mystical about it. It's simply I'm listening to the Lord in a moment saying, God, what do you want to say in this situation? How do you want to speak? 
I have used this illustration over and over again, but it, it still works. When I was trying to decide how the Lord wanted me, if the Lord wanted me to marry, and if he wanted me to marry Lori, I was reading the Bible through trying to find her name, and it's not in there anywhere. <laughs> so I had to have another means for God to communicate to me, I'm supposed to marry her. And he does. He loves to communicate with us that way. So he can use scripture. Often will use scripture. Brings, brings a specific passage that may not even make sense to you in the moment, but it makes sense to the individual who's receiving it in that moment. And so it can be a scripture. It could be a, just a word. A dear friend of mine who's gifted prophetically said, remember early on when they were learning how to do this, they, were, they had a prompting to share with someone to go up to them and share one word, and the word was one. Just That was all they got. Go tell them one. Lord, that's kooky. That's strange. I woke up and just tell them one. And he said, I wrestled with it for a little bit. He said, this strong prompting on the Lord, just go tell them one. So he goes up kind of sheepishly, and he said, you know, I just have this prompting. I think it's from the Lord. You can discern and see but it's just, it's just one word, and it's the word one. And they begin to weep and cry. And they explain to him why that one word, one, was so significant and a direct answer to what they had been praying. And you say, that doesn't happen. It does. It does happen. I have experienced it firsthand. I'm not sure whether I'd be in the ministry today without prophecy. I may be, but I'm not sure. At a specific time in my life, matter of fact, it was right after we moved into this building, so just over eight years ago, I was really struggling with whether or not I should be pastor here. I was really struggling with it. I didn't understand. Now, as I look back, I understand some more things. God's revealed some more things, and I understand even more of what that struggle was about, but I didn't at the time. All I, I was just feeling overwhelmed, and we had, we had moved out here. Things were happening, things were growing, more people, more stuff, just more, just more. And I had this sense of, I'm not enough to lead this church the way it is. I might have been enough to bring it to where it needed to be, but now it needs somebody else to take it from where it is to the next place. And this is what I was internally struggling with on a daily basis. And really seriously considering just quitting, just re resigning, I had the thought in my mind, you know what, I'll just go start something new and take all that I've learned in the last 12 years and just start fresh somewhere out, you know, with, you know, without everything else. And this is what's all going on in me. At the same time, I had been introduced to someone who now is a dear friend, uh, Clark Whitten. He was in Orlando at the time. And um, Clark is very gifted in prophetic and prophecy. And we were talking about this one day. And he was sharing with me how God had used it in his own life and in his family and his children's lives. And, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there, I'm very skeptical. By the way, that is one of the warnings that we have. And so if you're sitting here right now and you're like me, you're skeptical, then I want to quote to you, thus says the Lord. This is not Troy. This is scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, despise not prophecy. Don't despise it. In the list of things where it says pray without ceasing, and, and all those other things out of First Thessalonians that we believe and we put on you know, banners and everything else and say, yes, in that same list of things, it says, despise not prophecy. Before we finish, I'll talk about some reasons why we do. But I was a despiser of prophecy. I thought, what is the need for this? It's weird. It's kooky. It's, you know, we don't need it. We have the written word of God. We have it completed. We don't need any of this other stuff. And I remember Clark said, Troy, why don't you just come over when we're doing one of our, they called them presbyteries. Then I was really confused. Well, that sounds like Presbyterian. What are you? And, and so I was really confused, and it has nothing to do with Presbyterians and anyway. But um, he said, come over. And so I went. And some of you have heard this story. I've shared it before, but I don't know who's heard it and who's not, so I shared it again. Um, so I went, and I went by myself because in case this thing was really kooky and weird, I would be the only one there, and I wouldn't have to explain it to anybody else, and I could just leave, all right? <laughs> but I was a skeptic, and, but in my heart, I didn't want to be a skeptic, because I was desperate, I was hurting. 
One of the reasons I wanted to leave so badly is because I did not understand Ephesians 4. I did not understand that I was feeling the pressure of the different way that God's made the body and all the different giftings and all the different bents. And I'm just thinking, I'm not good at leading all this mess. And the Lord said, nobody's good at it but me. I'm the only one who can lead this mess. I'm the only one who can bring all of these different parts together. But I want to bring them together. And so as I'm going over there, I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, I just think it'd be easy. I'll quit. And, and I hadn't even told Lori this. She wasn't with me. Um, I went by myself, and I'm just talking out loud to the Lord as I'm driving. Lord, I'm, I'll quit. We'll start something new and fresh. We'll let somebody new come in here, another pastor. He'd do a better job. Take this thing where it needs to go. And, and so I'm having this conversation, but I'm also, as I'm driving, having another conversation. Lord, I don't want to be a skeptic. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of 1 Thessalonians despise not prophecy and I was like Lord I don't want to despise anything that you want to do and I don't want to reject it out of hand just because I don't understand it and so Lord would you help me but Lord neither do I want to be gullible all right I don't want to be gullible I don't want to believe just anything I don't want somebody to say it's of God and I just take it at face value without actually being a Berean without looking at this and saying does it line up does it measure up and so I'm having this conversation with the Lord as I go. And I get there, and long story short, because I have shared this before, but there was an individual, one of Clark's friends from out in Arkansas, I think. I never met him, I didn't know him. But he was one of the ones who was there kind of leading this time. And they had a time, just, they're all gathered like this, and you had these three guys who didn't go to church. They were from different parts of the country. They were friends of Clark's. They're all standing across the front, and they're just looking around the audience and praying, just kind of quietly, just looking, their eyes open. By the way, you can pray with your eyes open. Um, just looking and praying. And if God would prompt them with some, some, bring someone to their attention, make them stand out, then they would pray, Lord, why did you have them stand out? So they point, one of the guys looks and points back in my direction. I'm, I'm sitting right over here, um, kind of where Mr. Wilkerson's sitting, right there. I'm kind of right there in that spot. And so he points back in my direction, and he says, you in the blue shirt, stand up. So I look around for somebody in a blue shirt. <laughs> and I happen to be wearing a blue shirt. I thought, oh, I think he's talking to me. So I stood up. He goes, yeah, you, you in a blue shirt, stand up. So what's your name? I told him my name. Nobody in this building except Clark knew me. I'd never been there for service. I didn't know any of these people. I didn't know him. But I had prayed, Lord, I don't want to be gullible. I don't want to be taken in. But if this is really you, would you show me? I want to see. And so he had me stand up. And he began to share. And he said, I got this picture when I looked at you of a monk. A guy in a robe kind of standing like at the door, like, like Martin Luther nailing something to the door. He said, you're not a monk. Right? No, I'm not a monk. All right. Where are, what is wrong with you? I'm not a monk. And he said, I got that picture, and he said, then I got this verse where Paul's telling Timothy, preach the word in season, out of season, you know, that whole passage there. Uh, okay, well, he, that, that was interesting to me because he didn't know I was, a, I was a pastor. Nobody there but Clark knew who I was. As a matter of fact, as he was sharing this with me, Clark looked out at me, and he goes, I didn't tell him anything. I didn't tell him anything. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm standing there, and then he stopped. And he was quiet for a minute. And he said, I really feel like the Lord is saying these words. So they don't mean anything to me, but do they mean something to you? Stay and reform. Stay and reform. And I began to weep. Because only God knew the conversation that I had with him driving over there. Only he knew how close I was to quitting. Only he knew that. I tell you today, prophecy changed the course of my life that day. And it wasn't just that one time. I began to experience it in other ways where God would do this. Now, that by itself, you'd say that's just somebody's word. I get that. But when God does something very specific timing that's consistent with his word, that's not in contradiction to what he's revealed in his written word, and when he speaks it into your life, especially when he speaks it in direct answer to you crying out and praying. And you've been asking him, 
And he speaks something to you. And again, I didn't go looking for it. I didn't go try to make matter of fact, I didn't really want to go to this thing. The Lord loves to meet us in those unexpected places and have someone speak to us in a way that we just... And again, those who've had experience with this, it, it would be interesting. I would encourage you, as you're just fellowshipping with one another, begin to ask one another, have you ever had an experience with prophecy like this? And what did it look like in your life? And how did it impact you? You'd be amazed. I mean, some of them you've heard because some of them we share publicly and, and, and how God speaks, how he directs. I remember Paul sharing a number of years ago about the guy in Taco Bell. And he's just sitting there and God's telling you, go over and talk to this guy because he wants to harm himself. So Paul goes over to a complete stranger, which isn't strange for Paul at all, all right? But for most of us, we don't do that. And just says, hey, you know, and begins to have that conversation. And if you want to know the rest of the story, ask him. He'll tell you, all right? Um, there are others of that these things have happened in our life, whether God's used you to be the one who prophesies or you've been the recipient of it. Sometimes it's just a scripture. Sometimes it's a word at just the right moment. Sometimes it's a direct answer to prayer that only you knew. But God wants to encourage. He wants to strengthen his body. This is why I began to pray for it. It's like, Lord, I want to be used in this way, not just to preach to people. I want to do that, obviously. But just in my one-on-one -on -one encounters with people, I want to hear what you're saying and be able to speak. And they would know this isn't Troy. This is Jesus who's talking to me. Now, and there are a lot of examples. I'm sitting here, I think, all kinds of examples we could use and give. And maybe sometime we'll have, a certain, we'll have a time where we gather and just do that, where we just share. Here's another thing that I really have been prompted lately with and wanting to do more for those who say, hey, I'd like to learn more. It's just get together in a group and have one person be the candidate, if you will. Just pick one. You know, I, I pick Lori, and there's eight of us sitting here. And Lori, she willingly, she volunteers. I don't pick her. She volunteers, all right, for this. She says, I'll be the candidate. And we just sit there and say, Lord, what do you want to say to Lori? And you're just quiet and you're listening. See what he says. See what he gives you. You think, how will I know? You just know. And by the way, you'll grow in it too. I am much more confident in what I hear God saying now than I was 10, 12 years ago. Because you grow. It's like any other language. You grow in it. You learn. You begin to recognize things. And, and here's the big question. How do I know it's God and not something else? Well, you ask him, Lord, is this you? Is there anything in your word that would contradict what I'm hearing? Lord, is there, is, am I speaking? Now, here's the other thing. Sometimes we're upset with people, and then we want to prophesy over them. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't usually give you anything good when you're upset with somebody, okay? That's not prophecy from above. Okay, that kind of wisdom is devilish, according to James. All right. So is my heart in the right place? But you ask, you begin to experience it. You begin to see God do things that he talks about in the, in the new covenant, ways he wants to strengthen and encourage. Now, do we lift this up above his written word? Absolutely not. Never. As a matter of fact, let me give you a few things about this. If, you're, if, if you feel motivated or stirred and think, this is me, let me give you a few cautions. Number one, do not say, thus says the Lord. And do not speak in King James English. Okay? <laughs> thus saith the Lord, thou hast a six score days, you know, <laughs> to rideth thy ship. All right? Nobody talks like that unless they're doing Shakespeare, Okay? It's weird. Don't do it. It's not spiritual. Just talk to them. Just like you'd have a conversation with anybody else. Just normal. Don't be affected. You know? Don't, you know, don't go into TV evangelist mode when you're telling. Just, just talk to them. Okay? But don't, thus saith the Lord. If you want to share, thus saith the Lord, you open it up, you point to it, and you say, would you read that? And what does it say? Thus saith the Lord. Okay? But we don't say that. First of all, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not infallible. 
I'm not always confident, 100% confident, that what I heard was God. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. But, but I'm also, I want to be humble enough to recognize I'm not completely sure. So what I tend to do, and I've, heard, I've watched others do this, you know, I had this prompting, or this is stirring in me. I think it's God. You need to take it before the Lord and see. But does this resonate? And then you share it, whatever it might be. But again, if you want to do thus saith the Lord, then open it up, point to it, let them read it, and say thus saith the Lord. That's a whole different thing. Secondly, when you're, when you're talking with someone, you are... You're not trying to fix them, correct them, change them. That's not your primary motivation. There, there is time for correction, but how does Timothy tell us that happens? All scripture is given by inspiration, is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Again, when correction needs to happen, generally it's it's based in relationship, and we're, going, we're taking someone back to what is written. Why? Because often you and I may have certain things that God has prompted us and impressed us with, but it may not be for somebody else. For example, how many of you have a standard in your movie or TV watching as to what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. How many of you think that all of us who raised our hand have the same standard? No. We don't. Now, here's the danger sometimes. I'll take God's word and I'll take... Well, I can give you a perfect example. I grew up in a culture where you didn't do certain things. These were outward things. And one of those things was, a lang was language. And certain things were clearly identified. These are cuss words. These are things you don't say, things you don't do. So as our culture gets, in my opinion, more coarse, um, these things are more common. They're just part of natural, the normal, natural conversation, vocabulary. And so I start searching my Bible saying, where does this Bible say you ain't supposed to cuss? All right, I know it's in here somewhere. Don't cuss. It's not in there. It does say, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But speak those things which are good for edifying, for building up. But how you interpret that, how the Holy Spirit interprets that in your life, there can be a wide range. And so for me to go and say, I go to David and I say, David, I think this, this, and this, and this, these are all cuss words, this is wrong. And David's like, well, I don't see it that way. All I've got to go to on thus saith the Lord, and I'm just picking on David because he's sitting right there. I don't know if he cusses or not, all right, you know? <laughs> so here's the deal. All I know that I can say thus saith the Lord is no corrupt communication should come out of my mouth and no corrupt communication should come out of his mouth. And the Holy Spirit's going to have to define what that is in our lives. And he will. He's faithful to do that. We can encourage one another. We can help one another. We can pray for one another. We can share examples out of our own life. But be careful in this taking and using, quote, prophecy to correct and to change. To say, you know, you're not doing this right and you need to straighten up, bud. Judgment's coming. Actually, judgment's already come for those who are believers. And Jesus took it on the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to sin and to choices, and hey, there are. But the judgment's already been paid. It already came and it was poured out on Jesus. Now one day, there is this thing that happens at the end of our life in heaven, and I don't understand it all, where there is this desire in our life to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling to which we've been called. To be able to do that. But remember again, that worthy doesn't mean, because we talked about this a number of weeks ago, doesn't mean exactly what we think it means. So be careful when you come up to someone 
that you've taken some time with the Lord that your heart's not angry, hurt, corrective. I'm just going to tell them like it is. That statement rarely goes with the Holy Spirit, all right? I don't know that I've ever seen a time where that statement the Holy Spirit hooked up, all right? They just don't. Usually you're going to tell them the way you think it is or the way you're feeling in that moment. I just tell it like it is. That really, that statement we could probably move out of us, out of our vocabulary. I want to tell it as Jesus says it is. I want to speak it the way he would speak it. I want to communicate it with the heart that he would communicate it with. Be careful of this in prophecy because some will come and think they will assume the mantle of Old Testament prophet and beat you up and tell you judgment is coming and you'll walk away feeling that big. That is not consistent with prophecy as I understand it under the New Covenant. The third thing, and this is very, very helpful, ask for discernment as to whether or not what you're hearing from the Lord is for you alone or is it for others that he wants to share. We talked about this in staff recently, and Aaron mentioned that. He said, I really struggle sometimes with knowing if what I'm hearing is this from the Lord for just me or is this for someone else or is it for a group? What is that? So pray for discernment. That's another one of the gifts in all of this. Lord, give me discernment. Is what I'm hearing just something you want to communicate to me? And you want to work there. You want to stir in my life this way, but you don't necessarily want me to share it with anybody else. Here's the, the challenge that we have. Sometimes we communicate too much because we don't have we don't pray for discernment to know whether this should be communicated with anyone else or not, or it's just for me. So you ask, God, show me. Sometimes this is just for me. Sometimes it's for someone else or for a group. Don't say, thus saith the Lord. Say, this is what I sense the Lord saying. This is what I believe he's saying. Also, don't be discouraged if you share it with someone, sometimes they'll immediately come back and think, wow, that was exactly what I, that, that was the Lord. And that's encouraging. Every time that happens, that's encouraging. So I started looking for it all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. There may be some times where you share some things and they look at you, as my dad would say, like a calf looking at a new gate. Like, what do I do with this? All right. They just look at you. And it's like, well, you know, Maybe it's from the Lord, maybe it's not, you know. Or maybe it takes some time. Maybe the Lord will reveal some more as time goes on. Here's what I do when I'm on the receiving end of that. You know, people will come to me and share words with me. It happens often. People come share a word. Sometimes I immediately recognize the significance of it, and I will say so. Thank you, I receive that. I, I, that's a significant word for what God's doing in my life right now. Sometimes I don't recognize the significance of it in that moment, and so I will thank them and say, I appreciate your care and concern for me, and I'm going to be prayerful about that word. I'm going to be praying, God, is there something you want me to see in that? All right, because don't pretend, don't lie, but it is helpful when you give people feedback. When you say, yeah, that really missed me, or no, I don't sense it right now, you could, but you don't have to look at them and say, I don't think that's from God, I don't get nothing. All right, that, you don't have to do it that way. You can simply say, okay, I'll be prayerful about that and see if there's something in that for me. By the way, just because somebody tells you it's a word from the Lord doesn't mean it is. Be discerning. The scripture talks about prophecy, but it also says we, in 1 Thessalonians, we are to try every spirit. Don't just take it somebody's word that it's from God. Lord, is this from you? Is there something you want me to see or receive from this? Is it consistent with your revealed word? You ask the questions. Prophecy is valuable in this way. I have seen it in my life. I have seen it in the lives of others. Many of you have been blessed by people who've come and just had a word in season. They had a word in the moment that God spoke through them. to. They didn't even necessarily know all that was going on. Just something God stirred in them. If you have the gift of prophecy, 
If you think you're wired this way, if you think this is something God has stirred within you, the church vitally needs this. Vitally needs this. It's powerful when it's done under the, guide, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Powerful. As the Lord comes up and begins to play, I want to share something with you that happened this week on Wednesday. I was praying about this message because I understand there can be resistance, quite honestly, because there's a lot about this we don't understand. I like things that are clean and neat, well-defined. Wrap it up, put a nice bow on it. I understand the parameters of it. This is harder to understand the parameters of. That's why one reason we despise it. Sometimes we despise it because of the way people do it, and that's another reason. But I was praying, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, would you give illustration from your word of what this looks like? Something that's new, something I hadn't thought of before, I hadn't seen before. And I was gathering with a group of guys on Wednesday morning, and we were praying. And I mentioned to them, I'm praying this way, and so they're praying with me. We're just praying about this. And in a few minutes, Pastor Paul said, a story just came into my mind of an illustration from Scripture. I said, what is it? He goes, you remember? He said, I don't know where it is, but remember when Jesus is telling Peter that Satan has desired to sift him as wheat? And he says, I prayed for you. And I said, yeah. I said, I think that's over in Luke 22. We began to look, and it is. It's over in Luke 22, about verse 30 or 31, I think. He says to him, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He's asked permission to go after you. That doesn't sound good. Jesus, I always wanted Jesus in that moment to say, but I told him no way. <laughs> but that's not what Jesus said. He said, no, Peter, I have prayed for you. I had this, I had this done, again, Jesus is Jesus, but he's also man. He's God, but he's also man. And he's functioning as man here. And he says, I have this from the Father. I have this. This is what's happening spiritually. Satan's going after you. He's asked permission for you. And because of that, I'm praying for you. And then he says, and when you are brought back, when you are converted, the old King James says, but when, but when you come to a place really to repent, you... You're not following and thinking that way. You're going in a different direction. That when that happens, I want you to do something, Peter. I want you to strengthen the brethren. And as Paul shared that, I thought, thank you, Lord. Jesus just demonstrated for us how you do prophecy. He wasn't focusing on what was wrong or the failure because we all got it. Anybody got failure? All right? We're all in the same boat. He wasn't focusing on it. He wasn't, Peter, man, I have tried. What more can I do for you? That's what we would do. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus sees clearly where Peter's headed. And he says, I've prayed for you. I am praying for you. That's a heart that says, I'm not trying to change you or convict you or beat you down. or I'm not trying to do any. I'm not trying to tell you the way it is. My heart is broken because I see the enemies after you. I see the spiritual battle that's taking place. I prayed for you. But here's the thing, Peter. I know what God has for you on the other side. When you are restored, when you get back up, you're going to fall down, but when you get back up, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen them. Prophecy doesn't focus on what, so much on where someone is right now, but where God says, I'm taking them. That's what prophecy does. I see what God wants to do by faith, not necessarily where you are right in the moment. The prophecy that has been spoken over my life many times was not because I was already there. It was because they could see by faith what God wanted to do. And they spoke that. I want to be used that way.
I want to be like Jesus. I want God to use me in your life. And I want him to use you that way. I want him to use us that way. Where we don't necessarily just focus on the failure because it's all around. It doesn't mean we deny sin. It doesn't mean we ignore it. But that's not the focus. The focus is, God, what do you want to do? And right now I'm praying. I'm praying, God, do what you want to do in this situation. And when you are restored, when you're, when you're up again, when you've walked through this, strengthen the brethren. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us. Teach us. Stir today, Lord, in this, in this group, in this midst, today, stir those who would say, I want to cry out, I desire prophecy. Not to be someone, not because I wear it as a label or a badge of honor. I just want to be used by you, Jesus, to strengthen and encourage and comfort. Lord, do a work in this place that we have never seen. Do a work in our lives that causes every day to be reminded that you're bigger than we ever imagined. You're greater, that the work you do in us, we will never figure out. But we are so grateful. Lord, help us receive when others want to speak to us. But Lord, stir in us to be givers, not just to receive, but to give. To receive from you so that we can give it away. I pray for prophets here among us. I pray for prophecy to be multiplied among us. Led by your Spirit, governed by your Spirit, consistent with your Word, but prophecy nonetheless. Lord, help us. I pray that you would help those today who have been strengthened or encouraged in the past and they didn't even realize it was prophecy they didn't realize what it was they just know it did something for them you used it in their life in their heart in some way help us recognize what we didn't see before and lord protect us protect us from wrong motives protect us from our own sinfulness that would enter in as we're trying to be a faithful witness for you. Lord, I pray, even as Paul said in the beginning of this, in, in Ephesians 4, Lord, as he began to share all of this with them, I ask it for us as well, that we would have all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Lord, I ask for those things. They are your word to us, so we receive them. We believe them. We long for them. And Lord, we purpose to walk in them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.